text for the sermon this morning is verse 25 of Numbers 35. Numbers 35, verse 25, and we read there, So the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge where he had fled, and he shall remain there until the deaths of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. So far, the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, for an orderly and peaceful society for people to live in, punishment for crime, crimes committed is absolutely necessary. And that's why all societies and nations have laws that all also require the transgression of those laws to be punished in one way or another as prescribed in those laws. However, sadly, the punishment doesn't always fit the crime, does it? Some nations in the Middle East require pretty gruesome punishment for crimes, punishment far beyond the nature of the crime that was committed. For instance, they require thieves to have a hand amputated. Or as was in the news not long ago, a man was sentenced in Saudi Arabia to 1,000 lashes with the whip for criticizing the rulers of the nation on a blog. On the other hand, you have in Western nations like our own, crimes which hardly seem to be ad- punishments which hardly seem to be adequate for the crimes that are committed. Murderer, somebody who kills in cold blood, can receive a life sentence of 25 years in jail and is often eligible for parole after serving just a part of that term, a fraction of it. But the thing is that crime has to be punished justly. Real justice is that the punishment fits the crime. That's why the Lord God said in the Old Testament, a tooth for a tooth and an eye for an eye. That was commanded by the Lord to make sure that people didn't take vengeance for a wrong done and demand two teeth for, a two, for one tooth or two eyes for one eye. The Lord wanted the punishment to fit the crime. He is just, perfectly just but also merciful. And that's what's at the root of the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, God's justice and mercy together in Christ on the cross. God's justice to punish our sins and his mercy in in punishing our sins in his son. That justice is what's behind that system of, and, and then mercy of God then is behind that system of cities of refuge that the Lord wanted to have established by Israel when they took over the land of Canaan. And I preached to you the gospel in our text then from Numbers 35 with this theme, God ensures that justice is done in the promised land. 
we pay attention to three things, the avenger of blood in the first place, secondly, the cities of refuge, and thirdly, place of grace. First, the avenger of blood. A lot of Numbers 35, which we read together earlier, revolves around somebody called the avenger of blood. Such an avenger was the Lord God's provision for justice to be done at that time. There were no police around to arrest people for crimes against others and to ensure that justice was done. So the avenger of blood was supposed to make sure that justice was done in the case of murder, especially in particular. He would not only track down the manslayer, find who the, who the manslayer was and track him down, but he would also carry out the execution, put him to death for his crime. However, it's quite significant that the word the Hebrew word used in Numbers 35 for the avenger of blood is the word goel. Goel. And that word goel, you might know, is everywhere else in the, New, in the Old Testament called kinsman redeemer. A goel was a close relative whose responsibility it was to take care of the family's interests when there was need. The best example of how that functioned in the Old Testament is the book of, in the book of Ruth, set in the time of the judges. Naomi returned to Bethlehem with her Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth, you remember, I'm sure. And they came there as destitute widows. But Boaz was a close relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. And as Goel, kinsman redeemer, he was able to buy back Naomi's husband's property. And then he also had the responsibility to raise up descendants for Elimelech's family. And so he married Ruth, the widow of Elimelech's eldest son. So you see there that the law of the kinsman redeemer, the Goel, was a wonderful provision God established in Israel to make sure that families didn't lose their place and their inheritance in the land, in the promised land of Israel. Well, in Numbers 35, that kinsman redeemer, that Goel, becomes avenger of blood. The person who has to make sure that justice is done when one of his relatives is murdered. You can imagine that this person then became a kind of a detective who would pursue the killer of one of his kinsmen until he found that person and meted out the punishment that was deserved. He was like a police detective who did everything in his power to bring about justice for his, strain, his uh, killed relative, slain relative. That avenger of blood, that Goel, that kinsman redeemer, wasn't just free to pursue that manslayer on his own. He was obligated to seek the manslayer out and to mete out the punishment that that manslayer deserved. 
That was the Lord God's provision to make sure that crime was punished in Israel and that punish, the punishment would fit the crime. Over time, you know, there were people, people who have been accused of killing someone else have been dealt with in harsh ways. Think of the, the Wild West. You know, you'd have a lynch mob. A bunch of people would get together, work each other up, and then drag an accused killer from jail and hang him on the highest tree. Or think of how the mafia deals with the death of one of their own group. It often leads to payback killings. You kill one of ours, we kill one of yours. But that's not what the avenger of blood was about. This person had the God-given obligation to bring the killer of one of his relatives to justice. Real justice. And he had to do that because as the Lord God had already said right after the flood, whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. God wants justice done. And the reason for that is, as it says in Numbers 35, 33, blood defiles the land. No atonement can be made for the land except by the blood of him who shed it. Murder, the willful shedding of blood, polluted the land. That happened later on when Israel had settled in the land of Canaan. You read that the land became polluted because of the innocent blood shed upon it. That was one of the main reasons for God to send Israel into exile much later. The land was defiled because of unpunished murder. God wants justice. He wants murder justly punished. And that makes you think about the matter of justice in connection with murder today. We don't have avengers of blood today, but we have the police force and we have the, the court systems who act as avengers of blood. But that doesn't mean that justice is always done, especially not in the case of murderers where, where there's no doubt that someone has murdered another person. We no longer have capital punishment and even many Christians don't accept capital punishment either. But the Bible points to it. Not only in the Old Testament, also in the New Testament. Romans 13, where the apostle speaks of respecting the governing authority because he does not bear the sword in vain, but it is God's minister, an avenger, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. An avenger. And that, that sword that the apostle Paul talks about is not meant to spank murderers, but to put them to death. But that's, not, that's ultimately not what our text is about. It wants to point us to here today, really, this matter of the goel, the avenger of blood, is, comes to the fore here, and this is about Jesus Christ. This is about Christ. In relation to God, we are all guilty of spiritual death because of our sins and sinfulness. We're all people in whose hearts live by nature, thoughts of envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge. And all these, it says in the Catechism, are the root of murder, which God regards as murder. 
And if you think that through, who is not a murderer then? And Jesus is the avenger of blood. The avenger of blood who came to bring justice to bear against the sins of his people. And at the same time, our Goel then, our kinsman redeemer who came in our flesh in order to pay for us, to buy back what we had lost, make atonement for our sins. And so has brought about full justice for us by his death. And that is why his blood speaks of better things than the blood of Abel. As it says in Hebrews 12, verse 24, Abel's blood called out for justice to be done, for vindication. Christ's blood is cleansing blood and speaks of justice fulfilled. But that also means that forever who does not believe in him, Jesus remains the judge, the avenger of blood, who will execute God's justice against him or her on the day when he comes as judge from heaven. God has given all judgment over to the Son. And he is the avenger of blood. And the question for us all is then, have we sought his justice and mercy in our hearts? Have we found our refuge in him? And that brings us to the second part of the sermon, the cities of refuge. The chapter of Numbers, just before the one in which we find our text congregation, is all about that division of the land of Canaan into areas for each tribe. In Israel, each tribe inherited a section of the promised land. Amazing if you think about it. You know that, that the land was divvied up before they had even entered it and conquered it. The Lord was already dividing it up. So sure was their inheritance. In, con- uh, in congregation, think of, of that also in regard to, to our inheritance. That God has promised to us. So sure is that inheritance too. The Israelites could trust that the Lord God was going to give them that land as he had promised. The thing is though, the tribe of Levi didn't receive a single part of the land as an inheritance. Not a single section. No, they were given 48 cities scattered all over the land. And those cities were given to them as well as the pasture lands around them, you know, so far around each city as places to live among the people of Israel. And that's because the Levites were to be teachers of God's law and to provide pastoral guidance to God's people. And those cities were scattered in such a way, we learn later on too, that no Israelite lived more than 15 kilometers from a Levite city. Now the wonderful thing that comes to the fore in Numbers 35 is that six of those Levite cities, of those 48 cities, three on the one side of the Jordan and three on the other side were very special places. And again, those six cities were spread out so they were readily accessible to all Israelites throughout the whole land. And we're told in the book of Deuteronomy, which also mentions those cities, that the the gates of those cities were never to be shut. And the roads to them were always to be kept open, never to be blocked. 
In other words, those cities were accessible at all times. Well, those six cities were set aside, the Lord set them aside as cities of refuge. They were places of shelter for manslayers. In other words, they were actually also kind of courthouses which were to judge the guilt of anyone who was fleeing from the avenger of blood. The manslayer could go to one of those cities and have his case heard by the Levites. If they judged that the killing took place intentionally, then it was premeditated murder. And that those Levites would hand that person over to the avenger of blood to be put to death, for justice to be done. But if the person accidentally killed someone without intent, maybe was clearing his land and threw a stone over a wall so that someone was killed, then the manslayer was given refuge in that city. He, he killed without intent, not out of enmity. It all hinged on whether the death was intended or unintended. And our courts today here in Canada in similar fashion distinguish between murder or manslaughter. In those days, too, if your axe head accidentally flew off while chopping wood, killed somebody nearby, you could flee from the avenger of blood to the nearest city of refuge and request there that you be tried by the Levites. And if it was determined that you had not made sure the axe head was secure but had caused the death without intent anyway, you would find safety from the avenger of blood within the walls of that city of refuge. As the text says, the congregation will deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood and the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge where he had fled. However, the manslayer was only safe as long as he stayed within the walls of that city of refuge. If he left that city if he so much as set foot outside that city, he was fair game for the avenger of blood. The Goel. He had to stay in that city until the death of the high priest at the tabernacle or later the temple. If the high priest died while he was there, he could go back to his own place again without being afraid of being pursued anymore by the avenger of blood. Those cities of refuge and the escape from the avenger until death, the death of the high priest congregation, they were provisions of God's mercy, which points straight to the saving work of Jesus Christ. This is, a, this is the gospel of Christ here. Jesus is our place of refuge from the punishment we deserve for our sins. That's beautifully expressed in the New Testament in Hebrews 6.18. We read that. And it speaks there of the consolation, strong consolation for those who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us, namely Jesus Christ, our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For those who have fled for refuge to him. Jesus Christ is our refuge, our city of refuge. 
He is our place of safety and also mentioned so often in the Psalms. The Lord is our refuge and our rock. For instance, Psalm 34 verse 9, which we're going to sing in response to the sermon. The Lord redeems the life of those who serve and honor him. All who in him their refuge take. The Lord is our refuge in his grace in Jesus Christ. In him, you find safety from judgment. And you know, the wonderful thing is, is that just as with those cities of refuge where the gates were always open and the way was always clear, so the way to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is always open and clear for you, congregation. That's what our baptism tells us. We can find refuge in him from the just punishment for our sins. But we need to go to him then too and remain in him. So where are you today? Are you still trying to avoid him, flee him who is also the avenger? The Goel who has the task to bring about God's justice against you? Or have you found your refuge in him, in his cross? Remember, he is open to anyone who comes to him in true humility and repentance. Anyone who wants to be delivered from blood guilt before the Lord God. He is the high priest, in fact, who sets us free. And that brings us to the last point of the, the sermon, the place of grace. Grace, as you probably know, congregation, is undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. Grace means that we don't get what we deserve, and we do get what we don't deserve. That's the definition of grace. And that grace comes wonderfully to the fore in the text and in the context. Those cities, as we mentioned before, were Levitical cities scattered throughout Israel, those cities of refuge. They provided asylum for people in serious trouble, people who had taken life without intent, Israel, Israelites as well as the strangers and sojourners among them. Well, the fact that the Levites didn't inherit a single territory in Canaan was actually a curse, you know that? It was a curse from way back. When Jacob was dying, he called all his sons together and he prophesied about their future. You can read about all of that in Genesis 49. And concerning Simeon and Levi, he had a special prophecy. Simeon and Levi had avenged the rape of their daughter Dinah, of their sister Dinah, by killing Hamor and Shechem in their whole city. You remember, they demanded that everybody be circumcised. And when everyone was circumcised, they went into that city and they destroyed everyone in that city, men, women, and children, out of revenge for the rape of their sister. And Jacob said, Genesis 49, verse 7, about Simeon and Levi, Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. And then... He said, 
I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So the fact that the Levites were not given a single territory in Israel, but were given cities scattered throughout the land, was the result of that curse on Levi. Because of what he had done in anger over the rape of his sister. Killing that whole family in town wasn't justice at all. That the punishment did not fit the crime in that case. Levi should have been put to death for murder. God, in his grace, allowed him to live. He allowed him to live, though his tribe would be scattered. So the inheritance of the Levites was scattered in Israel in those 48 cities. But the, the beautiful thing is that because of God's grace, the curse on Levi and his tribe was turned into blessing. Six of the Levite cities became cities of refuge where people could find justice, could make sure that the crime, that the punishment fit the crime. The crime was, was punished with suitable, fitting punishment. They were appointed judges in those cities to make sure that the, the punishment anyone received for killing another person was just punishment. So the tribe of Levi, which was shown grace by God, is now called to show grace to others who have killed somebody unintentionally, to mercy to them. And what that tells us today, congregation, is that we who have been shown God's grace in Christ are now also called to show that same kind of grace to others. As Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Those who have experienced God's grace are called to be gracious to each other and to others around us to forgive as we have been forgiven. And doesn't it make sense that we who know God's mercy in Christ should be the most merciful people in the world? Shouldn't we, who know the mercy and care of God in Christ, be a known as a caring and welcoming community too here? So that's how you see God's grace here. But there's another way to see God's grace in Christ in our text. You may have wondered what it meant that the manslayer had to stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Well, that's obviously because the death of the high priest removed the defilement from the land. The death of the high priest was considered full payment for the manslayer's crimes. The high priest, as it were, died in the place of the manslayers in Israel. And therefore, the manslayer, they could go free. Once the high priest anointed with the holy oil had died, his life was considered a substitute for the lives of the manslayers. And, congregation, do you see God's grace towards us in Christ foreshadowed in that? The book of Hebrews makes abundantly clear that Jesus came as our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And the good news for us is that our high priest has died 
and that his death has infinite value. His death atones for us, pays for all our sins up to murder itself. And his death not only paid for our intentional, unintentional sins then, but also for the sins we planned and did intentionally. His death completely sets us free of all our guilt before God. And that's amazing grace, congregation. That's grace that should make us feel wonderfully free and thankful today. At least everyone who has this high priest in his or her heart, who takes refuge in him, he has done justice for us, and that will be seen by all when he comes again as avenger of blood to judge the living and the dead. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for showing your justice and mercy in your word. Showing that above all in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Goel. How good it is to hear again from your word that he is our refuge from sin and guilt. That he is our high priest who died so that we might go free. Help us to embrace him now so that we're not afraid to meet him when it comes again as the avenger of blood to judge the living and the dead and to do justice here on earth. Help us to hold on to him in faith so that when he comes, we'll welcome him with joy. In his name we pray.